Zoos and aquariums are places people go to find peace and excitement, relaxation and education, and to deepen their connection with nature. But that's only part of their story. Accredited facilities are at the forefront of the conservation movement, working to save species and ecosystems, often in unheralded ways. This podcast tells the story of those efforts. These are their conservation tales. Hello, 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 and welcome to the all-new Conservation Tales podcast, a part of Raw Safari. Uh, I'm really excited to have y'all here and to be launching this new endeavor. So Conservation Tales, we're going to start with a little intro, is going to be a podcast that, like I said in the intro, is um, focused entirely on the conservation efforts taking place at zoos that uh, maybe don't get as much attention as all the cute fluffy animals that are at the zoo. Um, Each episode is going to be relatively short. I'm aiming for 10 to 20 minutes per episode so that they are small and easy to digest um, and, and also... You know, so that I don't have to make three hour long podcasts each week now or my head might explode. Um, But yeah, I'm hoping that these will be something that that y'all love and that, you know, the normal zoo fans and Rasafari fans and everything are are big fans of. But I'm also hoping that these will be short and concise enough where if you're dealing with an anti-captivity person and you want to explain the good work being done at zoos and aquariums, then uh, you can you can rather than say, hey, listen to, you know, these 300 hour long episodes of this podcast to learn what happens. You can just say, hey, check out this thing. It's 10 minutes. It's 15 minutes of your time. And it'll give you an insight into uh, the amazing work being done at these incredible facilities. The way I like to think about it, the main Rasafari podcast is truly about connection, right? I like to connect people to animals through their people. Zoo News is about information dissemination, and uh, now Conservation Tales is here to educate and to inspire. That's the goal anyway, and I, I hope you, uh, you find that it, it achieves that goal. So enough of this intro. I'm going to do this normally every week. We'll start off with just a quick intro into the project that we're talking about, then get right into the interview. So uh, let's do that. Today, we are heading to the Greenville Zoo in Greenville, South Carolina, to talk to Maxine Van Dam, who is going to talk to us about their Quarters for Conservation initiative. Now, this seemed like a really good start to me because while we are going to hear about the Greenville Zoo's program specifically, in part because I really like the unique way they handle it, uh, many accredited zoos do something like this, where a portion of admissions money goes directly to conservation efforts. However, that's not always explained super well, and and since Greenville has a really unique way to get around that information gap, uh, which you'll hear about in the interview, I wanted to feature it. So it's a great way to not only have every guest at a facility contribute directly to conservation efforts, but in Greenville's case, it's also a great way to make them aware of the fact that they are doing so, and they even get to have a say in where their money goes. So, uh... Let's hear about it. All right. So um, let's start off. You tell me who you are and uh, where you work. Um, so my name is Maxine Van Dam, and I work at the Greenville Zoo. Cool. Welcome. Um, why don't you tell me about one of the maybe lesser known conservation initiatives uh, taking place at the Greenville Zoo? 
So one of the more lesser known but also successful conservation programs that we have is called Quarters for Conservation. When you purchase a ticket at the zoo, 50 cents of every ticket actually goes directly to our Quarters for Conservation fund. You're also able to round up your purchases in the gift shop to contribute to this same uh, program, which sponsors the Greenville Zoo's grant. So every year we open up a grant. Um, you're able to apply as a new participant or a returning participant. Um, the amount of money that we're able to award varies if you are returning or not. Um, but that we have supported organizations um, last year, I think it was 16 different countries, um, over $23,000, uh, which makes a big difference for a lot of these smaller organizations that are applying for these grants to directly then help them do their projects. This year, um, our grants close really soon, um, but that this year we're seeing that we have a lot of women-led organizations in conservation that we're seeing more that are applying that are going to make education materials that empower local communities to learn how to protect their species that they have that are endangered in their own backyards. And Programs that help do research that then can be used to make changes in policy and in law later on down the line all over the world. So this impact of one conservation program that we have is global and something that people don't often associate when they think of the small zoo in Greenville, South Carolina, um, having that big of an effect. But we're tiny, but so mighty. That's awesome. And how does uh, it get decided who gets awarded the grants? Um, I get to sit as a participant in this program. Um, and it is mostly our different leaders in different departments of the zoo, but also keepers and other staff can apply to be a part of the review committee. Um, it is a just committee position. And we see that there's a lot of time involved with it from starting with how we create the evaluation system. And we let people participate from that get-go. How do we want to really measure the way that we grade these grants um, so that we can create a system, collaborate, work on them, come together, discuss, score, and then distribute the money based on a, an empirical way. But that has a lot of collaboration front and buy-in from our staff. You don't have to only be a supervisor to participate in this type of program. And so we see a lot of people welcomed into the deciding factors that maybe wouldn't be allowed in those spaces at other institutions. So it's one of those extra things that uh, we're able to see younger keepers were able to see more diversity on our boards too, in our committees. That's really cool. I love that. Does there have to be any tie-in to any of the, the like species here? Like, do you have to have it, you know, does it have to correlate? We'll do red pandas because we have red pandas or we'll do lions because we have lions. Or could somebody say wanting to do something with binturong or tree kangaroos out in the wild, um, get a grant here possibly if it's like obviously a good, you know, project. So you do get an award uh, of one extra point if you <laughs> are associated with an animal that is in our collection. However, that's not the majority of our grants that we have. We see species that, um, like our pangolin um, grant from last year, you know, we don't have a pangolin here. Be really cool. But um, all different species and all different types of projects um, are funded through this. And so, again, we have a small zoo. We have a small collection. But our impact is bigger than just what we have here. I love that so much. Can you talk about um, the pangolin or maybe something else, something that, that Quarters for Conservation has supported so that my listeners can have an actual idea of exactly what this money does do in like one instance? So uh, with the pangolin grant um, that was provided, um, 
they were able to build a holding enclosure. Um, they were actually able to then study and do research online. Um, they found a pangolin that was online. Um, Wait, and then they, they, they found a pangolin um, that was on social media um, and were able then to retrieve this animal and then re-release it back into the wild. That, um, <laughs> that's amazing. So like, that's terrifying, but that's amazing <laughs> at the same time. Um, and there's a similar uh, um, project where um, our Sarmachan rabbits, they found them on a selling site online. Oh, um, so it's, it's making a direct impact and reducing animal trafficking. Um, no, I mean, that's really huge. And I love that it has an impact on like, like, I think it's so cool that it's like, a pang- like there is a pangolin in the wild because of what y'all are doing. Again, in in Greenville, South Carolina. That's just really, really cool. And those are just some of the projects. Some of them are to fund, like we're making books to distribute to this amount of schools on these species in this yard to increase literacy, but also then help understand about species. So we have different from research grant, education grant, um, and conservation grant categories. And they're scored slightly differently from each other based on um, the applicable items, but we're really able to make a, a bigger impact in ways you wouldn't think of. Um, and some of that's even just, I need to have $300 so that I can put gas in the car to be able to go out into the field for six months. And that's what our grant covers for someone, which then actually then helps them to get there. So these can be from big ideas to small ideas Um they're all ideas that care about animals, though. How do people um, like find how to apply for grants, and and how how is that is that publicized? We do have um, a social media announcement that happens when our grants are open. Um, there's a link to our website, and there's a wonderful form that's created by someone who painstakingly made sure that it made sense to people of different languages, hopefully, to be able to apply. Um, so we've tried to make it simple. Um, we do ask for a certain amount of recommendations, showing you how you're going to use the budget, um, making sure that you are a legitimate institution. So there's a lot of work to be put into it, but we do try to make that access open and available to as many people as possible. That's really cool. Uh, One final question. What do you think is the role that zoos play in conservation? I think that the role of zoos historically has not been the direction we're going in, and I'm very happy about that. I think that we've moved from being a way to spend a Saturday afternoon, a way to bond with family, is where we started. Now we're taking those same connections that we have with zoos and then tying that bond and those experiences to animals and to those connections and taking them one step further. I think the role of zoos is to create experiences where we are inclusive to species around the world you may not ever be able to travel around the world. That's something that's such a privilege. So you may not have that experience with that animal that's in the wild that would then make an impact for you to care about them. We're just bringing the world to other people or bringing your backyard to other people and a new light so that we can really then take that next step. We have to connect. We have to then fall in love with these animals and then we have to protect them. So that is the role that I think that zoos do play. It can't just be where we are holding an animal just to present it as an individual for just that individual's sake. There has to be that next part of the message, which is why. And that role is to answer the why. 
I love that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this and for sharing about uh, quarters for conservation, even though it should be really called 50 cent pieces for conservation. But that just doesn't roll off the tongue as well. So we'll allow it. Thank you. Conservation Tales is a Ross Safari podcast. Produced, hosted, and theme song written and performed by John Rossi. Fact-checking and editing by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Please make sure you hit subscribe and follow along on social media at Rossafari and at Rossafari Pod on TikTok. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo or aquarium. <laughs>